dude. Welcome to another entry of the Searchers podcast. The Searchers explore the different corners of cinema so you don't have to. We cover old, we cover new, and everything in between. I'm your host, Marlon O'Shea. Oh, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm, my name's Chris. I'm from Danbury, Connecticut. And joining me from Los Angeles, California, we have... It's me, Kevin. Hey, what's yes, up, guys? Yes, yes. Kevin Roy... O- oh, no. Are we saying last names? No. <laughs> <I'm a little laughs> oh, man. Kevin's last name is on Letterboxd, so it's, it's, fa- it's fine. It's fair game. I was going to call him, I was gonna call him Kevin O'Chan. You know, a little Irish. <laughs> and also joining me and Kevin from Baltimore, Maryland is... My name is Ben Fitzpatrick, laddie. I cannot do an Irish accent. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, we're we're yes. failing hard early, boys. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. All right. So, on this episode, we are going to review The Field from 1990, directed by Jimmy Sheridan. And I picked this movie this, this week. And I picked the movie to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Cheers it's to that. It's on theme. Cheers to that. Hold your Guinness up high. No one, um, the listeners cannot see it, but I am drinking a Guinness. That's non-alcoholic. It's okay, guys. Benjamin's drinking a Guinness. Uh, Kevin, are you drinking anything tonight? I'm drinking coffee without the Baileys. Very nice. And I'm drinking water. <laughs> that means that, water. That means whiskey and Baileys is in the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Irish water, boys. <laughs> Irish water. That's right. So, man, you know me well. I, I, I know you well enough. All right, so that's the reason I picked the movie, and um, let's just get right into it, shall we? Let's do it, yes, sir. All right, so uh, the field was made in 1990. Release date was September 21st, and that was for Ireland, and it released around Christmas, 1221, uh, in the U.S. It's directed by Jim Sheridan. It's also written by Jim Sheridan, and he adapted it from the screenplay by John B. Keane from 25 years earlier. It's produced by Noel Pearson, and the production companies are Granada Television, Noel Pearson, and Sovereign Pictures. Do one of you boys want to do the cast? Uh, sure. Yeah, so the movie The Field is starring Richard Harris, Sean Bean, and a shit ton of Irish people that I can't pronounce. So. Maybe Kevin can maybe Kevin can do that. I don't know. Tom Berenger is in the film as the American, the only American in the film. And yeah, the rest are oh, and John Hurt. I don't want to forget him. John Hurt is in the film as the bird. The bird O'Donnell. There are some interesting little cameo or I guess just very small bit parts. Uh Brendan Gleason is in this film, but I did not spot him. Did you guys spot him during I the did movie? not spot him? I'm I'm only realizing I it now. Maybe, maybe he was like, you know, 100 pounds lighter. Who knows? And had hair. No, he still has hair. He's a little bit. Hair. It's obviously an Irish movie. <laughs> very, and very I, Irish. It has a, an interesting entry for the score, Elmer Bernstein, which is interesting because I did not even put that together till right now. It was It was covered up by all the bagpipes. And uh, <laughs> uh, all of the Irish sounding instruments. I I didn't know it was Elmer Bernstein either. Yeah. And he's he's prolific. Yes. Apparently was was not paying attention during the credits. <laughs> I was surprised when I saw his name in the credits. I was like, wait a minute. Elmer Bernstein. That is 
Oh, okay. <laughs> very yeah. unlike, uh, well, you know, shows his range, I guess. That had to be towards the very end of his career. Didn't he die in the well, early early 2000s? Yeah, 2004. It's interesting because when I think of Bernstein, I sort of automatically think of Ennio Morricone. And I know they're not really alike, but they both did Westerns, uh, you know, a good amount of Westerns. And they were both incredibly prolific. I don't know if their musical patterns are very similar, you know, in the way that they composed. Um, it's just an interesting, that's just where my mind goes. Uh, and Bernstein, to me, had more of a, an eclectic career, I think, in, in comparison to uh, Morricone. I'd agree, yeah. I both. I, I think both of them, you, you think their names, and or someone says their names, you just immediately think Westerns. So... Again, was not expecting him to be in this obscure 1990 Irish movie. Well, Chris, yeah. didn't, didn't Elmer do a Hitchcock film? Yes. Yes, he did, right? Yes. <laughs> Which one did he do? <laughs> You're actually putting me on the spot. I know I he am. did one, but I, I can't say off the top of my head. So I'm not oh, as really? good of a Hitchcock fan as I should be. Putting you, hey, Go ahead. Kevin's putting you on blast right away. <laughs> right away. Right away. I thought I'd be beating well, you to the punch. I thought you I thought you had it lined up. I'm like, oh hey, wait a minute. Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> I should I should have, but you can go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh the funny thing is that I know that he did a Hitchcock film. I just don't He doesn't know what it is. He doesn't know what it is either. It backfired. I know. Oh, you got a shit man. machine gun oh, and point it right back at you. <laughs> So I guess you two can fuck off. Julian, I told you I didn't want any shit in Sunnyvale. You idiots have loaded up a hair trigger, double barrel shit machine gun, and the barrel's pointed straight at your own heads. So, like, the barrel of the gun's bent back? Let's go, Randy. These boys want to play hardball. We can play hardball, too. Oh, the listeners are not, they're shaking their heads at us right now. Oh, this is That's hilarious. fine. That's fine. <laughs> we, we, we have not drank a lot of Guinness on this episode, I swear. Or before. I'm going to say <laughs> Uh, I'm drinking a non-alcoholic Guinness for the record. Let's let the record state. But yeah. Oh, they believe you. Oh, oh, do they? Uh, I think they're the first or second episode. I was pretty buzzed, and I'm like, I don't even remember what we're talking about. <laughs> you were, dude. It's <laughs> um, great. So, so Chris, uh, since you yes. picked the movie, uh, what is it about? Tell tell the listeners what this is about. All right, so we're gonna go right into the plot. Pretty simple. When a Field, which has been farmed by the McCabe family for generations, goes up for auction. The patriarch of the McCabe family will stop at nothing to prevent a rich American from buying it. There are a lot of layers that occur here. There's some a slight amount of geopolitics going on. There's a very interesting breakdown of a blue-collar sense of work versus capitalism and how they commingle and how they clash really fascinating and that further breaks down into religious backgrounds of the characters so you have we can just segue into this a little bit you have the roman catholics which i know specifically one of the characters the tinker the tinker and the tinker's daughter actually real quick do you guys know what, what a tinker is they're basically nomads of Ireland, right? Like the ethnic, I, I was, uh, like gypsies. I was, yes, I was going to say gypsies. Yes. I was going to say gypsies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Very good. You guys did your research or you already knew that. Mm -hmm. Just, they yeah. just look, they look like them. I, I don't knew. know. 
I knew that. <laughs> yeah, so Kevin, there's Kevin. Kevin is a gypsy. <laughs> he that's is supposed a... to mean. <laughs> you, 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 it's you your go, profession. You, you travel a lot, bud. <laughs> that's actually quite true. Yeah, the modern gypsy. <laughs> the modern uh, high flying gypsy. Yeah, sure. I'll take yeah. it. Okay, I'll take it. Very, as long as I'm not as poor as them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so you have the different religious backgrounds that are sort of clashing. A um, little bit of a different ethnic group, different ethnic groups that are clashing. Also, you have the the and the work, right? So the McCabe family is all about the the hard work, and that they should own the field that they've known and and worked with their very their very hands. Um. Is there anything you want to add to that, Banner Kevin, while we're talking about the themes here? I mean, this is this is like the heart of it right now. Yeah, I mean, so when I when I saw this 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 film, I couldn't really help but compare it to two French movies by Claude Berry, and I'm not really going to butcher those French names, by the way. But uh, they were two films that I saw somewhat recently, and they were called uh, Jean de Florette and. Manon of the Springs, and that deals with the same things too. About in that in that case, it would be an uncle and a nephew trying to continue their lineage, trying to continue their legacy by any means necessary. And I found that theme to be very similar to uh, what Bull McCabe is trying to do for his son Tyke. Right? Is that how you say Tyke? Um, yeah. And so. Right, right off the bat, I found that uh, that similar theme to be uh, shown through the field. However, there is kind of a difference here because in the first two French films that I mentioned, that so they do try to achieve, uh, they try to own land and try to continue legacy to, and they do it by any means necessary. But to that, to that idea, there's a lot of. There's, there are a lot of it's a, it's such a mixed bag of of themes and there's a beauty in it because there's also you know seeking well actually realizing your wrong, one's wrongdoings and seeking forgiveness there's sort of a there's a swirling rustic pot associated with that film however when it comes into uh, the field it seems like there's sort of more so not really. I mean, to be honest, I guess I'm, maybe I'll reveal my like really what whether I like or dislike the field already. But I didn't really find much to gain except it seems it's Sheridan's decision for characters to wallow in despair rather than overcome such obstacles. And that was what I th- that was what I thought see- about ceiling when I saw the field. I just felt that. There was a sort of stagnancy. Yeah, I, th- I thought okay. there was a sort of stagnancy in in the uh, in the story. And well, I'll let you guys continue. I mean, there's more to it when I want to bring up uh, Tom Berenger's character with the American Peter, but I'll let you guys yeah. go for it. So, yeah, I think I agree. There's a little bit of a stagnancy in perhaps how the plot progresses. Yeah. Uh huh in the first half so like the first 45 minutes ish feels a little bit more mm, taking its time yeah 
because it's around the one hour mark where the, the climax really hits. Or there's maybe there's you would consider there to be two climaxes. You have the you have the one right in the middle and then you have another one right at the end. So I agree with you that that the first part of the film is a little slow. It it builds gradually and then it just kind of throws up all it just vomits all its themes in like three or four select scenes. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like the the build up honestly. It showed you the the different aspects of the village, uh, village the dynamics between all the characters. Uh, it really gives you a, a very deep insight into how this family has been living. I mean, I think stagnancy is a great word to almost describe their their lifestyle. I mean, what do they do? They they don't do much. They they live. They don't. You know, they they just have this one little two or three acre plot of land that they they keep pristine but other than that there's no growth um so yeah, yeah that's what i mean yeah. I, I like the oh uh, yeah i guess we're kind of getting I, i'm gonna get a little into whether i liked it or not I, I think the first hour or the first half of the movie up until the first um climax that you said chris was mm-hmm. was like i thought that was pretty i was like all right this is you know, this is pretty good average. And then I, I think, mm-hmm. I think the, the execution of the, of the finale was just really shoddily done and not, yeah. It, yeah. It, it just felt rushed. As we said earlier, this is based off a of play. It felt too play ish. It felt too, th- um, I mean, quote unquote theatrical. I mean, it, it really felt like I, I, I don't want to go to a theater and watch people act this out. That's just, it's, it felt very boring almost. <laughs> yeah. So or just ridiculous. I mean, I wouldn't want to see this play either way, but I thought the first half of the movie had a lot of potential and then it just went kind of yeah. like quite again, literally. Kind of like the character uh, yeah. Tay. So <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> that was not on purpose, but I keep making these puns. They just they work, guys. No, I don't know. It's funny. It's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um but Well, okay. I I want to throw a question to both of you then. Yeah, because it's it's appropriate here. Perfect. Do you guys like plays adapted to film? Do they work? Is there is there maybe um, gradations? You know, a whole bunch of different factors that make an adapted play work for film. Or do you know? Is it straight up no? Straight up yes? I want to hear what you guys think about that. Yeah, Chris, I think for me it's kind of a mixed bag because I don't I don't think I've seen very many movies that have been adapted from a play or a musical i mean like one that i think i I could think of uh well maybe two fiddler on the roof i think was well done as a film uh ben you'd know this more than i do but seven brides for seven brothers that was was that originally a play or was that uh, actually it was really made for made for film i'm not i thought i read that more i just forgot it could have been adapted but i mean okay even if it was adapted donnan did his own thing and that yeah, Donnan did his own thing. That's very true. Yeah. So I mean, well, then again, I mean, whether it was or not, very good movie. But anyway, uh, so I'll give a couple of examples about of films that were adapted from plays. So I mentioned this one in the one of our last episodes, The Verdict, by Sidney Lumet. Sidney Lumet did a film called Death Trap, starring Michael Caine and Christopher Reeve. <laughs> And it's yeah, perfect and, that uh, you're saying this. I, right. I'm going to cut you off for one second. We have uh-huh. we have a listener mailbag that mentioned that movie. <laughs> that I will read at the end oh, of the really? episode. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. So continue, okay. continue with your thought. Sorry. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear about that. But um, 
Yeah, anyway, so with Death Trap, I've already mentioned, and Chris, you can attest to this, we both don't mm-hmm. like that movie. But mm-hmm. away from the components and the themes of why we don't like that movie, there's something about when you adapt plays to film, you you try to replicate, there's sort, there seems to be a tendency to replicate what you see on, on stage, not just in story, but in terms of blocking, in terms of uh, camera movements. It becomes, it starts to feel literally like a play on film. And that's not really something that you'd want to see because not everything that works on stage is going to translate that well on film. And Death Trap, I think, is a good example of that. Not everything on stage actually, you know, just swims through uh, very well on film. And uh, so, you know, adapting plays to to movies can go either way. It can it can look almost exactly like the play, which would be kind of boring. And like, let's just go back to stagnancy. It's quite mm-hmm. stagnant that way. Now, another example uh, to hit my second point about adapting uh, plays on screen would be Clint Eastwood's Jersey Boys, which I don't even think gets talked about very much. I but there, what <laughs> I was gonna what say, was that, I was gonna say that's my. Are you gonna bring that up? Yeah, yeah, it's your favorite. Uh, uh, you say? Second, <laughs> second favorite. I like Amadeus better slightly. Oh, Amadeus. Oh, okay, okay. And they're both musical. Cool. Amadeus, kind Amadeus. Of. Yeah. 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 Um, very nice. But see, 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 like with what Clint did with uh with Jersey Boys, you know, the second point about trying to translate uh the stage is it can be look it can look quite haphazard. You know, you're trying to add your filmic sensibilities to it, and then it just looks quite haphazard. And again, it just it, it's kind of it's just weird. You know, when you adapt sta- stage plays to film, it just doesn't really translate that well. And I think it's just because you're too influenced by what's already been given to you visually on the stage. Um, another example would be West Side Story. Very, mm-hmm. very much like a sta- like a like shot and uh, blocked like a stage play. Um, and I will say that with uh, Steven Spielberg's remake, I think he was able to sort of smooth line uh, the qualities of the stage into film. So in that sense, it actually kind of worked. And this is without talking about the themes, uh, which can be, which, which can be delved into a lot more so, but just in terms of the technicalities from stage to film, I don't think it's as a whole, I don't think it's very successful in my opinion, but then again, I'm not, I haven't seen that many adaptations. Well, on the flip side, you use death trap as an example from Lumet. Yeah. Uh huh though he has a lot of successes on the other end. Yeah. He has 12 angry men uh-huh. uh, before the devil knows you're dead. I believe was based on a play. Um, oh, well, there, there's the hill, which is my favorite Lumet starring Sean Connery and a great ensemble cast. Yeah. That was based Sean, on a play Sean Connery. <laughs> that I brought that up too. When we talked about this before on the verdict episode. So, mm-hmm. Going off your point, Kevin, I think I think you're making a point, and there's also a little bit of a nuance there between yeah, what's with theater and film, exactly. right? So yeah, you have it's a bit hard to describe. <laughs> it it is because if, like, when you, yeah. if you've ever seen a play, you get this you get this energy that's you can't harness it. It's it's yeah. unlike anything else that you can experience. Everything's live. You know, when you're sitting there in, in your seat, you're 
you're seeing things captured just so differently. And when you're watching something in a cinematic format, it's a pro, it's almost like a pro Anacon at the same time, because in a film you, you get the comfort of repetitious energy. You know what to expect, you know, what's coming and Mm -hmm. it's either satisfying or it's not. Yeah. Where, whereas in a theater showing it's a, it's a one time one and done. You are experiencing it that one time. It's never going to be the same. It's never going to be the exact same thing ever. Even if it's a show that's on, you know, for 300, uh, different runs. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. It's, it's, so it depends, it depends on how you take it. You you Uh, find comfort in the repetitious energy, but there's uh also maybe a stagnancy there. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, I want to add a little bit. Oh, go ahead, Ben. No, yeah, go ahead. I I was just going to say, I I think we're just drilling down to it's not black and white and it just really depends on the certain day and time. Day and time. I mean, exactly. I mean, there's a million different factors and it also depends on your experience. You could, you could just be somebody who, you know, the theater isn't for you. Like there's people more more obviously who don't like musicals. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're going to stay away. You're going to stay away from that. Um, straight plays are probably more approachable or there are people who are opposite all about the music, you know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I think, and I think to go to our main example here, I think Lumet was one of the most successful directors to adapt plays onto the silver screen. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll go to, I'll go to bat for Lumet. Yeah, we, you know, if we were to sit and go through his filmography, out of the ones I've seen, I, I'd say that he's way more successful than he is with, you know, than than he is not with. Yeah, with no, I, I, I can that. I can attest to that too. I mean, I, I didn't know that uh, that that other films that Lumet's directed were based on plays. The only one that I knew was Death Trap, and uh, from what I had seen, Death Trap was very, very, very much. Uh, staged just like a play <laughs> just like a, yeah exactly and yeah exactly let's let's not forget i mean lumet also did equus he did a t he did a film version of that and he did a film version of the wizard i think so and oh, all those were oh. those were all late 70s or early 80s so i mean he he was all about it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah he um, loved that. <laughs> but i i do i do agree with you that death trap was was a miss yeah it was a total miss yes yeah. you get back to the field I think, I think it's a, I don't know exactly how to say this. I mean, it's, I don't think it's bad and I don't think it's amazing. It's just, it's, it's, um, competently made. And I think there are sequences that are worth seeing in the film that you probably would not have gotten in, in the theater. And I don't know exactly how much of the script was changed by Jim Sheridan, a lot. Um, I d- a lot. It was of it, qu- yeah. it was quite a bit. The whole right? the whole yeah. thing basically. Plenty, <laughs> yeah, plenty of oh, he did, apparently. So he he redid it top realized. to bottom. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that he only. I, I'm pretty sure he only carried over three of the characters, which was Bull McCabe, his son, and John Hurt's character, the bird. Uh, the bird. Yeah, and I think uh, Tom Berenger's uh, Peter the American. He wasn't even. Uh, he wasn't an American in. In the in the play itself, I think he was. Well, he wasn't. He was a foreigner, but he wasn't American. I think there was a reason why they changed that for the film. 
Oh, interesting. I would yeah. I would guess that he was probably English because there seemed to be a lot of yeah. English hate in the in yeah. Well, that, as it was. I think it's English. Yeah, that would have made a lot more sense because there is this natural um, div- division between the English and the Irish. Well, the, the lady who owned the field in the first place, who was selling it, was was married to somebody who was Irish, but I think she was English herself. English, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So there's if, a lot of go- animosity towards the English in this movie. <laughs> If they had kept it that way throughout and kept a Tom Berenger's character as English, I think it would have been a more interesting story. I think it would have been an ingredient for a more interesting story. I bet you it would have been, but I think um, Jim Sheridan probably was like, well, I don't want the focus to be on English hate. I want the focus to be on Richard um, right, Harris's true. character. And exactly. I don't know. It's a balancing act that I think he kind of failed at, my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think the simplest way to put it is definitely it was a balancing act that failed. It was like a seesaw that uh, just didn't work out very well. Well, the but, capitalism angle is is I don't want to say it's weird. It's just interesting that he chose to do like sub that for the English bad guy. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Um, do you know about definitely? T- Sorry. Do you know about Sheridan's filmography? I think you are most well versed in him. I do. Is, is he an well, anti-capitalist? What is he? Like does he do that a lot? I don't See, I don't know much about him in that sense. I I have I think this is the third or fourth movie I've seen by Sheridan. Oh, okay. He's very much he's very much about his Irish roots. So maybe I mean, that's maybe yeah, that just yeah. maybe that was just an artifact of the play. I don't know. It could have been. It could have been. It could have been. Yeah. So you know a lot more about Sheridan's filmography, Chris. Like the only well, one he, that I've seen was in America. And I haven't seen that in a long time, but I remember liking that film a lot more with its uh, morality aspect and its uh, themes on family. So, you know, even though I hadn't seen that movie in a long time, going into the feel, it's like a, it's such a sharp detour. And mm-hmm. to me, like between those two films, I just think that Sheridan. Yeah, I sort of missed the mark with this one. I haven't seen In America, but I have seen two out of the three movies he did with Daniel Day-Lewis. His debut film was My Left Foot, and that put him on the map because he got that movie got five Oscar nominations. Best Picture, Lead Actor, Lead Actress, and two others. I think one was for Screenplay, and I can't remember what the fifth one was. Mm, Uh, But Day-Lewis won his first Oscar for My Left Foot. And Brenda Fricker, who is in this movie, The yes. Field, won her Oscar for My Left Foot. She played, uh, I can't remember the exact character, if, he, if, it was, if she was his mother or just uh, his uh, nurse. Because he's, he's got cerebral palsy in that movie. And he's, uh-huh. he tries to paint. Um, but My Left Foot was Sheridan's debut. And... Sheridan recycled a lot of the people behind the scenes from that movie. Like it was something like 50 or 60 plus people behind the scenes. Um, and obviously he took Brenda Fricker. He was like, I like you. You're going to be in my second movie called the field. Um, so he, he reused a lot of the same people and tools that he did for his first film into his second film. And the other film I've seen by Sheridan is the one he did right after this called in the name of the father starring Daniel day Lewis and Pete Postlewaite, my boy. Give a shout out to my boy. Um, also and in one of your favorite films, The Town. Right? In The Town, yes, yes. Um, and Postlewaite got his only Oscar nomination for Best Supporting in 
in in the name of the father and i'm not so sure i can't remember if day lewis got nominated for that one um so I so he did <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised yeah exactly every yeah. time he comes up he's usually nominated because yeah, he's like, oh yeah <laughs> he's such a good actor <laughs> he's a shoe in um yeah <laughs> but anyway the third film he did with day lewis i have not seen and that's called the boxer he did that of four years after in the name of the father um in 1997 and that one was not as well liked but again that's another irish background like daniel de lewis's character has irish roots both in the name of the father and the boxer i think both have ties to the um ireland and the ira and, uh, and the car bombings and more of a politically charged background and zeitgeist going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's really all i know but um I know that I guess Ben hasn't seen a Sheridan movie before and you've only seen the one. Well, now you guys have seen, now you guys have seen the field, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let me, let me ask you guys a second question. Sure. And that segues nicely. Have you seen a lot of Irish films? And I don't know exactly how we're going to base this off of. Usually it's by, you know, if it's produced by an Irish company, um, or if it's we're just going to consider something that's mostly just Irish culturally or with the cast. However, we can we can figure that out. And I just want to know what your experience is with Irish films and what if you have a favorite and what is it? OK, well, I mean, uh, yeah, unlike you, Chris, I haven't seen very many Irish films with Sheridan. You know, the only the only film that I've seen uh, a uh, as I mentioned before, was in America about an Irish immigrant family coming to America and trying to make a living in America. So may, that's about as Irish as I can get. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> might not even count as an Irish film, but The Quiet Man. Yes, be, I was expecting like, one I, of you two to say it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't him, it was going to be me. Yes. <laughs> so pretty much that's all I can name, really. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, I I'm going to throw like my- I, yeah, I feel like there might have been some some that I've seen a long time ago. I just can't name them off the top of my head. But I'll, that's all I can give you. I, I mean, I haven't seen many, but a big one I feel like a lot of people have seen would be um, The Wind That Shakes the Barley with Cillian Murphy. Mm. Okay. I watched that when back in the day when I was renting five, ten movies a week at the public library. So it's been years <laughs> since I've watched that, and I don't even want to you know, give an opinion one way or the other. But other than that, I mean, no, I mean nothing. Uh, nothing? Nothing. Like, I mean, the, the Quiet Man I would consider. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Technically, Marlowe, the uh, the new Neil Jordan, uh, Liam, oh, yeah, yeah, Liam yeah. He- not Liam Hensworth, oh my gosh. <laughs> Liam, Liam Neeson. Neeson um, movie how dare you yeah that's an irish company but it's and it's filmed in ireland but a lot of the actors uh are just american so i don't know if that can if you do you consider that an irish movie it's a I mean it's supposed to be la it's, i don't know that's it's again it's like this fine line but i think the uh bottom the bottom line is we have not seen many irish movies i mean what's yeah. what's a lot what, yeah. what what's a number that someone would consider a lot i mean a hundred yeah, probably. I don't and think no I don't. Expert. I don't think there's anybody in the world besides an Irish person who's seen a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have to actually look to see what kind of number I would be at, and I don't think it's going to be high. 
I'll tell you that my favorite Irish movie is Waking Ned Divine from 1999. I'm watching and that is about that one. I'm watching that this that month. One. I'm watching yeah, it for yeah. that is. Sweet. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's a great, great, like feel good comedy. And it's a great cast of characters. And then I would also just shout out my boy, John Sales did an Irish movie, believe it or not. It's uh, countries behind it or Amer- the USA and Ireland. And the movie is called The Secret of Roninish. I haven't seen it in quite some time, but um, but I remember it being pretty good. So I like okay. both of those. They're a little different, and you don't really hear them thrown out there very often. Right. So okay. anybody getting down for St. Patrick's Day, I recommend them for your for your movie night. A lot of hidden emeralds in Irish filmography. Yes, yes. Them, well, you know what? Have to deal with. There, there is one more. I will, I'm going to shout out. It's not an Irish film, but uh-huh. it's got the lovely Miss Maureen O'Hara. Ah, uh, which one? Yes, and it brought her out. Of, it brought her out of retirement. And Wait, it's from that. It's only the, the lonely. Candy? Yes, it is the one with John Candy. Yes, only yes. the lonely from 1991. It's a favorite yeah. of mine. Um, the only thing Irish about it is Maureen O'Hara, but she's a very strong <laughs> and important character in the movie. Um, and she, the reason she came out of retirement was so she could do a movie with John Candy. She loved his uh, personality so much that she was like, I am doing a movie with that gentleman. Um, very much a mother and son movie. It, it ties a little bit into their Irish roots and the cultural, the cultural aspect and how they adapted to Chicago. Um, but yes, that would be my third recommendation for anybody who's looking for something. It's a great little film directed by Chris Columbus. But, the listeners need to need to watch The Quiet Man before they watch any of these movies. They the Quiet must. Man is that movie. Is that movie is definitely more Irish than American. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yes. So, all right, we'll leave it at that. Um, Might be more Irish than a lot of Irish films, like Marlowe. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that that is one part. Uh, one part of the field I do like a lot, which I don't like a lot of this movie. A lot is wrong with it. But the one thing I do like is the Irish setting is like very authentic and it it's, you know, it sometimes it's, it's beautiful. Sometimes it's ugly. I, I don't know. I just thought that the cinematography was a positive. I'm not sure if you guys felt the same way. Well, Hey, the, the first minute the first, I heard yeah. the, I heard the bagpipes and I was like, I am so in this right now. Yes. <laughs> you immediately got right? lost in the Irish. Yeah. Uh, you, so Irish you, greenery. You see the luscious uh, Irish Irish moors, and and yeah. you know it's got some cliffs and some seaside stuff, and then you hear the bagpipes mm-hmm. or whatever. It and, is. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's awesome. and it's all downhill from here. <laughs> all downhill from there. <laughs> that, that's all what I was gonna say. Literally, in the beginning, <laughs> right off the cliff. No, in, in the yeah, like like I wanted to say that with uh, so like the first two French films that I mentioned, there was like there was a sense of mystery, and I felt like there was that same sense of mystery in the beginning of the field when you when you follow a tag and and Dole, they're about to throw this donkey into the water, and you know you you see the mist, you see the fog, you see them walking through like really like steep hills of uh, of the village and there was a sort of there was a beauty in that there was a sense of mystery and then again yes there it just to be honest just goes uh it kind of falters uh for me 
I hear you, Kevin. Yeah, it's going back to the music. Hearing the intro music really got to me. And then and then the other part, obviously, other than when you hear the music in the background, the other part that gets going is when they have this little dance scene in the pub. Am I queuing it up? Yes. All right, for the first yes, time ever, are, we're going to see if this works. I think I'm not good enough for you. Should I keep talking? Will you dance with me? I will not. Will you dance with me, so? Uh, I won't, no. You're all afraid of me. The tinker's daughter. You're all afraid that if you touch me, you'll lose the sile under your feet and end up sleeping under the stars. Well, you could do worse. You could do worse than lie with the tinker's daughter under the stars. Is there any one ye man enough to dance with me? Who's the biggest man among ye? Uh, I'll dance with you, redhead. The ball McCabe will dance with you. it there otherwise we're gonna be here for another hour <laughs> i could have kept going the music man yeah, i was the, getting lost in the music yeah, i was like damn it <laughs> yeah the music's good that's a good scene so what was the point of that scene chris well i just i was just wanted i was praising the music because you were saying something about the cinematography but i wanted to say that like right from the get-go the music grabs you and it's the most irish thing about the movie other than maybe the brogue of some of the characters and the setting obviously yeah and, yeah. and Richard Harris, who we haven't brought up yet, I think Richard Harris is the best out of the cast. Him and him and Sean Bean do a pretty good job. Yeah. Ah, see, I'm not, I don't want to say everyone was great because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't happy as an overall product either. But right. I think Richard Harris, Sean Bean, and John Hurt do great with their roles. I think Brenda Fricker was absolutely not utilized. Um, and I think that's because of the... Is she yeah, the yeah, is, like, is she the mother? Yeah. 
She's the mother. She's, she, yeah. she gets like she's, yeah, she's Tig's mother. What she get like two minutes of speaking? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> in total, yeah. She she was probably yeah. just casted for star power, right? To get people in the seats yes. in the theater. Yes. For those I mean, who don't know, Brent, Brenda Fricker is uh, the pigeon lady in Home Alone Two. For those who don't yes. know. Okay. Nice That's reference. Her. Yes, yeah, I would have not nice seen right when I saw her face. Never got that. Nope. Would never have gotten nope. that. Good job. <laughs> Right when I saw her face and right when I heard her voice, like, oh, yeah, that's her. No way. <laughs> so she was a nice little uh, surprise. So we have a couple more scenes, Chris. And I th- are the are the purpose of showing the next scenes to just show how much of a presence Richard Harris had in this? I mean, he, he was absolutely in a lot He's, of he not perfect, but in a lot of scenes there, he was, you know, holy shit. Like this guy's an actor. Exactly. He he took the material and he just, he elevated it a hundred percent. Um, again, not perfect, but the scenes that he needed to hit a home run, he hit a home run. He's, he swang for the fences and he, this, this next, this next scene where he's talking about his past, which it was the first, maybe the second scene, the big part of the movie where you finally get the full breadth of his character's motives why he wants the field, what it means to him. And it's a crossroads of all the themes that we've already briefly mentioned, uh, familial communal. And as far as the blue collar work versus the capitalism, cause he's talking to the American, he's talking to the priest in this scene. So again, it's, it's a convergence of all the things and it's, it's potentially the most important scene in the movie. This is none of the church's business. It's the widow's field. She has the right to sell it. No. It's my field. It's my child. I nursed it. I nourished it. I saw it to myself every want. I dug the rocks out of it with my bare hands and I made a living thing of it. I only welted that green grass, that lovely green grass, and you want to take it away from me and in the sight of God, I can't let you do that. Can't you find another field? Another field? Another field. She is as yours, far and here is that yank. Another field. Are you blind? Those hands, do you see those hands? Those rocks. It was a dead thing. Don't you understand? This is the widow's field. That's the law. The common law. There's another law. Stronger than the common law. What's that? The law of the land. When I, when I was a boy, younger than Tiger, my brothers and my sisters had to leave the land because I couldn't support them. We wasn't rich enough to be priests or doctors. So it was the immigrant ship for all of them. I was the eldest, the heir. I was the only one left at home. Labor was scarce. So my father and I, we had our breakfast, dinner and tea, working in that field without a break in our work. And the mother brought us the meals. One day, one day my father sensed a drop of rain in the air. 
and the mother helped us bring in the hay before it was too late. She was working in one corner of the field and I was working in the other. But the third day I saw her fall back, keel over, so to speak. I called my father, I ran to her. My father knelt beside her, he knew she, he knew she was dying. She had an act of contrition into her ear and he asked God to forgive her sins. And he looked at me and he said, fetch a priest. Fetch a priest. And I said, let's, let's bring the hay in for us. Let's bring the hay in for us. My father looked at me with tears of pride in his eyes. He knew I'd take care of the land. And if you think I'm going to face my mother in heaven or in hell without that field, you've got something else going. No color, uniform, or weapon. We protect the man that stands by me. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. The part where he almost cries. That got, he's so passionate. That, that got me the yeah. first time. I was yeah. like, damn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think. I think that's the scene of the movie. Yes. Really? When we're talking about everything, like it's the beating heart of the whole thing. And Richard Harris sells it. He's fantastic. We we can't show that whole, I mean, it's like a five minute scene with, with his son, Sean Bean as Tag comes in first and there's a whole little exchange and there's a little exchange afterwards. Um, but that's kind of, like you said, the centerpiece of the whole movie. And it kind of, I mean, really shows the whole relationship between him and his son and him. And, and mm-hmm. when I say him, Richard Harris's character, um, Bull uh, McCabe, his father gave him the responsibility of, of, of basically working that field, which is like three acres. It's barely a field, but it's their field, right? And mm-hmm. his son doesn't want to reciprocate. His, son's, his son is not going to live up to what he expects of him, which he, he, Richard Harris, lived up to his father's expectations. And that's his entire principle in life is that one thing. And it's kind of a microchasm of a whole bunch of things. I think it's a pretty interesting dynamic in my notes. I have a, I have written down a failure to parent. And I I think that this kind of, this kind of relationship is not only prevalent in a lot of different cultures, just for example, other than Irish, I think this is a big big issue in, in let's just say Japanese culture where people, the, the children can never live up to the parents' expectations. I think that's a big thing, but I think that's also prevalent in American culture too. So I, I did like, and I did kind of really understand that, but I just think it was kind of executed a little poorly. And like I said, in the latter half, the interesting thing is we ha- what we haven't mentioned yet is Tig had a older brother that died. Yeah. That, and- that, that adds to it. That's a that's a whole other animal that we don't even get. We get little uh, breadcrumbs along the way, and then it hits 
Um, I don't think we know it yet at this last scene that we played where Harris is pouring out his soul to the priest and the, and the American. We find out a little bit later. But there's this whole other dynamic that Tig's not only trying to live up to his father, but he's trying to live up to his older brother and what he was. Right. It's it's this whole thing. Which you can't replace a child with. You can't replace one child with another. It's never going to happen. Child, no. So, no. I, yeah, I, I think all of those thematic elements are there. And if you look, you're going to find them. And if if you think that they're compelling, good. I, I guess that's the, the movie. Was Let's put it. The movie is successful in that way. Let's put it this way. I don't think the themes of the movie are the problem. I really don't. I think that if you were to sit and watch this movie a second time, it would get better when you're understanding the dynamics and, again, cultural aspect, religious aspect, the familial aspect, the communal aspect. All those things, I think, are very rich, along with Richard Harris's performance. I think what the film Mm -hmm. suffers from is a structural standpoint. Which okay. we already sort of touched upon. I can see yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that's, that's while we, we will, I think we all agree that the first half is better than the second half. I think the first half still has its problems structurally. And the second half totally suffers from a structural problem. A storytelling problem. Storytelling problem. And what I mean by structural is how maybe pacing, uh, pacing yep. and, um, the actions of the characters even and that could that could even come from uh maybe the weak part of the script from what sheridan is adapting from the play but to carry on the themes to carry on with the the themes it's the execution yes the execution of the themes uh that don't just seem to mesh well because i mean you we understand where uh richard harris's bull is coming from uh, but when you Agreed. when you look at that cultural aspect, though, I mean, we, we've talked about him, but let's get into uh, Tom Berenger's Peter, Peter the American, and you look at his motives and as to why he wants the field. I mean, I have a question for both of you guys. Which do you think, which motive do you think is actually fair, Bulls or Peter's? Like, which motive and which reason as to why he should have the field. Which one do you think is actually fair? Well, so if we haven't described it yet, Peter's reasoning is because yeah. his family, Peter, his family was exactly. once you, you go ahead, Kevin, you can say it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Peter's reasoning is because, well, he's got roots in Ireland. He's an American. He's got roots in Ireland. And, uh, there's somewhat similar to, uh, the scene, like the really, well, yeah, as he said, five minutes, it was like five minutes of a huge monologue for Richard Harris. He, uh, Tom Berenger's moment is very, it's very small, very subtle, but in my opinion, I think it really hits home as to why he's there. And it's just so much kind of compacted into a very, very small, maybe one minute scene where he describes his father as a lonely man. And he spent mm-hmm. his childhood dreaming of finding uh, his grandfather for his dad. And he always dreamed of coming back to Ireland, trying to like, revive his grandfather, bring him back to life for his father. Um, however, then his father dies, so he just had to come back on his own. So really, it's all about the reason why he wants the field is not simply for monetary gain, for inf- infrastructure, and to uh, give the poor villagers uh, jobs, which would definitely help out, but it's also to pay tribute to his father. Well, it's so interesting you theme. say that, Kevin. Yeah, It's, a, it's yeah. interesting you say that because... 
Uh-huh. That totally, that really kind of negates the capitalism angle, the blue collar mm-hmm. versus the capitalism angle. If you wanted to dig into that, it it, it sort of yeah, negates yeah. that because yeah. ultimately Peter wants, he's doing it the, for the same reasons as Richard Harris is doing it for really. Mm-hmm. Right. They're mm-hmm. both doing it. They're both doing it because they, they were impressed, impressed upon them by their fathers and their grandfathers mm-hmm. to, right. to, the, the, just the way that they were associated with this one piece of land and right. to go a step further, not even the specific three acres that they're talking about, but the motherland of Ireland mm-hmm. and what that means to each family and to each person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. It's, it's very layered uh, with both of their, uh, both of their motives but with with bull i mean like he is definitely trying to pay tribute to not only his father but really his ancestors who have rented and refined that field for generations so you yes. see you, you, yeah anyone can understand why he is the way he is and on top of that you know there we brought up shamey earlier and then we bring up uh tag but at the same time you sort of I get the cultural aspect, but at the same time, I think that Bull's motives come, they meet a fine line between selflessness and selfishness, if Mm -hmm. that makes any, if that makes any sense. So, you know, he is thinking about his son, but has he really thought about what his son wants for himself? Does his, does his son tag have his own, his own plans for his own future? In a right. way, he was sort. In a way, Bull was taking control of everything, and I think anyone, anyone who, whether you're a parent or you know a son, can relate to that kind of idea. And then when you look at uh, at uh, Tom Berenger's Peter's motives, I think they come strictly from a sense of humility, from a sense of self selflessness, because he's not only paying tribute to his father, but he's also giving the poor villagers jobs by taking over the field and you know, creating more infrastructure and stuff like that. There are pros and cons to both of their, uh, to both of their missions. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Well, well, I think bulls coming from us from tradition Mm -hmm. and, and the American is kind of, I I think he's being, I thought it was being a little exploitive because like, come on, there's gotta be like another 20, or two hundred, or or two two thousand little three acre slivers of land. So, and he was gonna, you know, bull was gonna. I, I forget if he was intimidating him or what, but if he was gonna pay him or give him a fair price, or I, I forget. But I mean, we kind of forgot to mention that the whole reason the lady's selling this in the first place is that Tag has been harassing her and like keeping her up at night for ten years and just completely fucking with her yeah. and, and behind her behind his dad's back and once he right. finds out it's like you gotta be kidding me like you really did this and they don't really explain why he did that do, do we know a reason why i don't i don't remember there being a reason besides he was just being an they ad, don't really say, they don't say anything yeah yeah other than like you they're trying to speed up the process of her giving up the field so they can actually have it for themselves that's pretty much the only reason I can uh, I can think of, and I think that was yeah. Yeah, maybe. maybe yeah, and maybe if, maybe he was trying to get her to sell, get her to sell, and it, if, it, it, it took a decade. <laughs> took a decade, and if Tag yeah. was also under feeling the pressure from his father, maybe he was just trying to figure out a way to. That was his strategy of just trying to instigate things faster, or or maybe get out uh-huh. of maybe get out of doing the field. Later. Get out of doing it. Yeah, maybe. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I think it's kind of 
uh, I didn't, I didn't really like it too much. There are some things I like about it, but, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. You can kind of just get rid of the entire plot. If you just have, all right, bull, go buy the freaking field from her. Like take out a loan and buy right. it, dude. Like, what are you doing? Why are, why are we doing yeah. this? So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I have. It's such a mixed bag, man. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the movie was a box. The movie was a box office failure. So clearly, Irish audiences didn't care too much either about this. No, critics didn't really like this film. Yeah, I don't know how famous the play was either. It might not have been a famous play. Twenty five years is a lot. Usually, like you make a play and then a movie comes out. Like what, movie comes out five, right away. Five years yeah. later, mm-hmm. maybe. Exactly. So, but <laughs> I, I will say, I am. Harris got recognized with an Oscar nomination. Didn't win, obviously. What? No. But he did. I, I want to say that it helped his career resurgence in the 90s and that directly led to him getting the role of English Bob in Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, which I think uh, awesome. that's a good thing. That's, so, worth, yeah. that's, a, that's worth it right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to bring up Clint, right? So, yeah. Oh, we have to. We have yeah. to. Unforgiven is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to rewatch it. It's been a while. Um, yeah, me too. Maybe I'll write an actual review on it. Who knows? But I agree with you though. This is this is. I think I think we might all be on the same page with this movie. But it's 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 a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. We'll see how. It's such a mixed bag that I can't even I can't even organize my like my real thoughts Thoughts? uh, about this film. Yeah, where it's like I I just got to write about it. The ending ending, just yeah. Man, the last like fifteen minutes just goes off the rails. Yes, it was just not. It was not necessary. And it's one of one of the first entries. So brutal, but I'm laughing. One one of the first entries in the Sean Bean dies meme. I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and R- Richard Harris and Sean oh, Bean God. were later two years later where they were in uh Patriot games together where he dies again. So Yeah. And uh I, I don't I don't know I don't know if you guys have any Sean Bean uh honorable mentions, but I have a couple uh Obviously, Alec, Alec Trevelyan in uh, GoldenEye, Boromir, of course, and Eddard Stark. Yeah, there's there's been a lot. I think he dies in like eighty five percent of the movies he's in, which I think the fans have he's just died for over. He's been dying for over a decade. This guy. Oh, I think it's <laughs> I think it's been yeah longer than that. Thirty years, yeah. if you count this movie as the, <laughs> as the starting point. <laughs> Holy, oh my god! Yeah, uh, Chris, I see you have someone's uh facial feature in your notes i think we need to bring that up because that was so distracting <laughs> so mr john hurt uh-huh. to get into character they were going to give him false teeth to do it um but mr john hurt took the caps off of his teeth and performed with his own he did not need any sort of prosthetics to act out the part and because we can't show visuals on a podcast just know that <laughs> the bird O'Donnell basically has no teeth. I can't, or, you know, I cannot just, believe that's real, but you know, it's yeah. it's that stereotype. British people have shit teeth. It's shitty teeth. It's sorry. <laughs> sorry. If there's a British person listening to this and say, ah, it's, fuck it's you. all that, it's all that vinegar that they <laughs> have yeah. with, their, with their meals. That's what it is. I thought I saw. I think I, I think you can you can see John Hurt's like the root of his teeth is like what's left. Yes, on, 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 <laughs> on the front. And, so and, 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 and then he 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 spent the entire film just licking that thing. I'm like oh, God, I can't. Walk. It was such it was such a good character call though. Like he it's he a good character. He, yeah, he's 
I mean, he's another plus of the movie. Like he's not really in any of the themes or anything. He's a total side character, but he sells it. He looks, he, he seems like he belongs from the town. We'll go, we'll go with another Lord of the Rings reference. And he's definitely plays the Grima worm tongue pretty well. I mean, it's just like that, (laughs) that scheming little piece of shit character that you hate. You love to hate. Yeah. You love to hate him. You love to hate him. Agreed. So I, I'm done with I'm done with mentioning stuff. I didn't really like it, but uh, I'm ready to rate. Yeah, um, I'm ready to rate. You guys, I'm, you guys I'm go so first. Ready. Do it up, Kevin. Me. Okay. Uh, well, um, it's going to be a two and a half out of five stars for me, which is a five out of ten, which might be my lowest score on the Circus Podcast. Making Kevin. progress. Right. <laughs> I'm making progress. Yeah, it's about time I have to like give something a low score, right? <laughs> I got to find that movie that Kevin gives a one. Holy shit. <laughs> well, I do. I, I have given movies a one, just not on this podcast. Yes. That's something I, that's something I, I like think about when I'm writing letterbox reviews. Like I need to get a real, real horrible movie to watch because I need some variety. <laughs> but see, that's that's a like a double edged sword or whatever, because. Or, or not, or not, because if you're actively looking for things that you want to watch, you're most likely uh-huh. going to find stuff that you enjoy, mm-hmm. right? That's just the pattern of how it sort of naturally breaks out. So it just makes sense that it skews higher. Otherwise, yeah. if we're looking for shit, then yes, you're going to find it. Probably. <laughs> it's very easy to do that. You want it? It'll be given to yes. you. Yes, exactly. Ask and you shall receive. More our shit than not. Um, I'm going to, I, I rate low to, relative to oh, you guys, at yeah. least. Uh, I'm going to go with a 10 out of 10. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to rank it in. I was, this was a hard thing to rate. Cause I was like, I didn't hate it. Like I didn't, but I do think yeah. it's, I do think it's below average. So I'm going to come in at a 4.5 out of 10. Jeez. I really Ooh, thought solid. I was going to match Ben's score on this one, but he actually went a little lower than I did. <laughs> And I'm gonna round it out with a two and a half out of five, five out of ten. All right. Okay. So Chris and I share the same. Uh, yeah, you're seeing. You're basically seeing this movie for the Irish landscape and music and Richard Harris. Pretty those much. Are the, yeah. Those are the two reasons. Four four point eight, or to see Sean Bean get killed. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. That's number three. Which you'll have to wait through two hours of average to <laughs> below average, um, but it's fine. So. This is a first, guys. We we have a mailbag, so I do want to get this in. Um, I mentioned before, so it's directed mostly at Chris, and this is one of Chris's friends. And Chris is Nick Langdon an Aussie? He is. He's an Aussie. Yes. He is. So, so he is. Oh, so, right. so he's a fucking wanker. All right. So <laughs> no. Uh, hey, what's up, Nick? Yeah, Nick wrote Nick, a very. Hey, hey. He What's wrote up, he wrote a very long uh, mailbag, Ooh. and it wasn't really a question. So it's just directed at Chris. So uh, bear with me. This is long. Go for it, man. Better read okay. the Aussie accent too, Ben. Oh no, I could make <laughs> nah nah. It, it'll no, butcher no, the no, accent. Butcher the accent like I did in the intro. No, let's piss off Nick. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we'll, we'll. Hey, you fucking wankers no, over here! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, that's like British <laughs> Aussie. That's shit. That's shit. That's total shit. All right. He's shaking his head at you right now. Yeah. 
Wee. All right. Uh, I, I actually know a lot of the Aussie shit because of my uh, stepfather-in-law, but regardless. All right, here we go. Nick's Nicholas Langdon's mailbag. Gentlemen, I enjoyed your latest episode on Cindy Lumet's The Verdict. You did a great job discussing some of the film symbolism and not being religious myself. I think I overlooked some of the Catholic elements you pointed out. Definitely going to get, have to give this one a rewatch sometime. Speaking of Lumet, though, I feel someone should stand up for Death Trap, which is fun, and which is a fun and clever movie. Although, if that's not your speed, perhaps check out Peter Bogdanovich's Noises Off, which also features Michael Caine, Michael Caine, and Christopher Reeve, and another humorous look at the theater. Chris brought up Ingrid Bergman's short amount of screen time for an Academy Award win for Best Supporting Actress. However, this was not the record. That honor, quote-unquote, goes to Beatrice Strait for Lumet's Network, where she was ha- we, where she had just five minutes and 40 seconds of screen time, but still took home the Oscar. If I could make a suggestion, which, yes, Nick, I'm going to address this episode, perhaps you could incorporate some of the production side of a film as part of your conversation. For example, it's fascinating to consider other names floated for the character of Frank Galvin before Newman was confirmed, including Dustin Hoffman, William Holden, Roy uh, Schneider, or Scheider, I forget how to pronounce it, and even Cary Grant, and even Cary Grant. Each would have Mm -hmm. brought something different to the role, and I think there's stuff worth talking about there, and I was surprised no one mentioned Bruce Willis in the the jury at the end. Anywho, (laughs) actually... (laughs) Yeah, I did. I Damn did. It. I did notice that, but I didn't say anything. Yeah. Anywho, keep up the good work, Nick. So thank you, Nick, for writing in to address your. Yeah, cons- thanks, Nick. To address your suggestion, I will say, in the same spirit, Marlon Brando and uh, Sir Sean Connery were considered for Richard Harris's role as Bull McCabe in this movie, which they lost out because Richard Harris dressed up as Bull McCabe and basically went to Jim Sheridan the- uh, to yeah. get the part. In in character, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, so I, he scared Jim Sheridan throughout the throughout the production too, I believe. <laughs> so hey, there, all right, we just and, all of us just addressed your shit, well, Nick. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, first, I want to say, Nick, thank you very much, man. I appreciate the mailbag. Always feel welcome to send us more of that stuff. We love it. And behind the Richard Harris role, uh, Nick, uh, not Nick, um, <laughs> Ben. You said hi. Uh, who, my, who's, hi, my name's Nick. <laughs> you said who was going to get the Richard Harris role? Uh, Marlon Brando, Boo, yeah. or Sir Sean Connery. Oh. Which I cannot. Or Sean Connery. They they both would have failed miserably in this movie. Oh. This movie would have been easily a, a a one out of ten for me, or two out of ten if they if 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 Marlon Brando was in this role, I would have died. <laughs> Marlon well, Brando would have mumbled his way through an Irish accent. So Richard Harris, uh also got the role because he wasn't originally cast. So Ray McNally was originally cast as Bull McKay, but he had died suddenly in 1989. Yes. And McNally was a Irish character actor. And he was also in Sheridan's first film, My Left Foot. I didn't mention this earlier. Um, Other people might know him from some other movies, but I think I only know him from My Left Foot. Um, Anyway, he passed away in 1989 and then the casting was open again and Richard Harris was cast. Um, and that was, that was Harris was cast after Brando and, um, Connery were considered. Okay. I think, I think Harris might've been considered for the priest role, but luckily he didn't he get that. His best priest role was in the count of Monte Cristo with Jim Caviezel. Watch that movie. 
So did we address all of Nick's points? Um, I, I, I'm glad that he stood stood up for death trap. Um, I think, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily agree. And I know Kevin doesn't, I think I have it rated a two and a half out of five. Like I do with the field, uh, coincidentally. Um, (laughs) so I, you know, in, in all, in all respects, that's average. Um, but I can understand, you know, again, this is what we're going back to liking plays, liking the straight play, um, character dynamics. There's a lot of factors that are involved with that. I suppose just like in any movie. Um, but it's cool that you're standing up for death trap. Not, not my bag. Um, unfortunately, but, um, Michael Caine and Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Yeah. So we can find you could, where can you find this movie? You might be asking us right now because there's nothing on streaming. Well, there is a very shit version on, um, (laughs) on YouTube. It is awful. So don't do that one. Um, there's a de- there's a decent I think it's DVD quality version on the Internet Archive or archive.org to some people. So if you just search for that, you'll find it. Um, but yeah, you could buy the DVD for forty bucks. I don't think it's worth it though. I don't no. think I don't think anybody <laughs> here would recommend that. But yeah, I'm gonna let Christopher, our fellow Irishman, and Kevin, you can be an honor- honorary Irishman if you drink honorary a Guinness. If you drink a Guinness tonight, you have to go to the store right now, get a Guinness. That'll, that, that'll be one hey, I'm wearing my uh, Guinness shirt Irish, I'm wearing my Guinness shirt right now man my Guinness shirt is on oh okay okay uh, I have my Irish I have my Irish jeans on you get it uh, <laughs> uh, 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 thank you thank you well uh, go ahead Ben so uh, yeah thanks again for joining us on the searchers as we reviewed the field join us next time for a surprise because we're, we're we know but we know we know what the next episode is but the episode order is, is kind of wonky right now because we're recording this irish episode for you the week before saint patty's day please as nick did send your mailbags into the searchers podcast at gmail.com please like rate and subscribe to us on spotify apple podbean and so on there's a lot of platforms that might have our rss feed and I do want to give a shout out to one of our friends that I know for a fact rated us, uh, Ricardo. Thank you for the five out of five on Apple Podcasts, sir. I was I was bad. I, I will get his review and read it on the next episode that we record. So, until next time, dear listeners. Goodbye in Irish. <laughs> nice. <laughs>